0: get all sterile.
1: Yeah, I remember one episode of injecting, I think we got to about 20 mils, but it was through about five different <laughs> vena <Stamps. punches. laughs> Yeah, and it was five, very... Four, yeah. four or five mils of inch worth. Of yeah, <laughs> so no, it, I think it can be difficult.
0: Yeah. And it's at the okay. patient...
2: Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Matt's fossicking around trying to (laughs) get his microphone on. (laughs) Testing. Um, um, This week uh, we have, um, I have uh, Sneha and Matt with me, and Sneha's going to be in charge of this episode as uh, she suggested this as a topic. Um, Yeah, okay, so the topic
0: is (laughs) how to perform an epidural blood patch. (laughs) And the reason... um, I suggested this topic is because just a couple of weeks ago i had to do my first epidural blood patch as the as a consultant but also as the like primary operator the epiduralist whereas before that i've all, always ever been the phlebotomist so um so i've seen a lot done um but it was just interesting to actually do it for the first time and all these sort of questions and thoughts came through my mind as i was doing it so i thought why not do a podcast um on it and pick your brain so yeah thank you roger and matt for
2: well thank you uh because i've <laughs> Been pushed by you to read the review articles the email through, <laughs> and I realised that there's a lot more to it than I realised. <laughs> no, um, t- it's actually quite an interesting. Subject. It is, yeah. And it's very, um, and I'll just very like, nuanced. I reckon, yeah, like, and I yeah. just yeah. like a little um, shout out to Mike Baker. For um, those of you listeners who know him, so he's you know quite an expert in this area. Certainly, hmm. um, he um, He's led the way in a lot of the. And, and most of the stuff that I learned, I learned just from hearing him talk, mm. rather than reading these articles. Mm. But,
0: and that's what I'm hoping to do, is getting your experience and your tips and tricks and things that sometimes you may not read in the articles, but that you, you've learned from doing epidural mm-hmm. blood patches. So uh, we'll start off with, uh, I guess, just a bit of background. How many blood patches have you both done off the top of your head? <clears throat> Matt? It As <clears> the...
1: <throat> probably seem, seems like more than we probably have done.
0: Yeah. So, like, <laughs> um, up, up,
1: over 20.
2: 20. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: I, yeah, honestly, I don't know. I guess somewhere I'm probably, if I'm guessing, twenty to thirty. Yeah, okay. I've done probably two thirds of them here at this the women's hospital, but I've, I've def- definitely done mm. quite a few uh, in other hospitals and for patients who are not non obstetric as well. Mm-hmm. You know, lumbar, mm-hmm. lumbar punctures and other people had had other, other things done
0: to them. Think, yeah. yeah, okay.
1: But I think you know when when you divide them out between your colleagues, um, you don't actually do that many. No, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It feels like you do more than you probably. Yeah, that's
2: right. Mm. So I definitely don't feel like I'm an expert or anything
0: Mm. like that. Mm. I don't know if anybody feels like an expert. No, I think
1: that's
2: true. Yeah,
0: Which is why we're also talking Mm. about it. So hopefully it gives people a bit of more confidence when doing it themselves. Um, So an epidural blood patch is, for anyone who doesn't know, is an injection of autologous blood, which is the patient's own blood, into the epidural space to seal off a dural tear. Um, And who can do epidural blood patches? Well, anesthetists, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, neurologists do them often and also interventional radiologists yep. anyone else that could do them I guess on.
1: anyone could do them. but they? Should, should do, do them? That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that's exactly right. I think. Mm. Yeah. And and you know, and, and amongst the interventional radiologists, probably those experienced. Well, mm. those specialising in neurological interventional pain pain physicians. they, mm. do, they oh, yeah. do a lot of procedures
2: on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine some of them do them. Yeah, no, not mm. all of pain physicians are anaesthesia trained.
0: And in terms of um, seniority or who should be doing the actual blood patch, what is your opinion? Like, should it be the most senior person? Should it be consultant, ideally? Should it be SRs or like, what would your thoughts be on?
1: I think it should be led by a senior anaesthetist, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean the one doing the epidural is the senior anaesthetist, if it's being led appropriately. Mm -hmm. Look, I think if you're doing maybe the second or third blood patch, then it should be Performed by somebody who's got some expertise and yep. experience in it. I, I would think. I think it just depends a bit on your geographic and mm, um, resources. That resources. You have,
2: yeah. So oh yeah, what you've got available. But the most experienced person in your department or your know, setting. Should be sort of leading it, I
1: guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's is an opportunity for training though, because mm. if you're yeah. not doing sure. it until Well uh, I did do it as a, a senior, consultant, yeah, so, yeah. then it's a bit nuts, isn't yeah, no, it, yeah. if you've uh, exactly right, yeah. been Should told be- just to take blood. Yeah. When yeah. in fact you can do an epidural. Yeah. But I think it just has to have some kind of leadership of somebody who has some expertise in the technique.
0: Okay, sure. Yep. Because I know a lot of trainees, when I was telling people that I, the first time I did was a consultant, they were surprised. Lots, some people in the East Coast, and registrars, had done heaps as a advanced trainee or, mm. or fellow. So, yep. yeah. And I think um, it's
1: also moving away just from the procedure. Mm. You know, we've got to think about the whole kind of… Perry procedure. Yeah, you know, yeah. working out who's going to get it, how you're mm. going to do it, mm. how you're going to consent. them. All the things we'll probably yep. be talking about. Ultimately, it's doing an epidural, isn't it? Yeah. Which is more yep. simple because you're not putting a <laughs> catheter in. So actually, it's yeah. not a difficult thing to do. Yeah. No. Um, but it's all the other fluff that goes with it.
0: Yeah. Um, and what – or when would you – out of curiosity, when would you refer to an interventional radiologist? Like, would it be after maybe a second or a third failed yeah. epidural blood patch?
2: It depends on the – you know, the the radiologists, I guess we, we're we lucky. We do have some neurointerventional radiologists here in mm-hmm. WA who have an interest in dural du- puncture um, pathology. And so, yeah, definitely if we have patients who are not doing what they're supposed to or are complicated, mm-hmm. um, it's great to get their opinion and their help. Mm-hmm. Okay. It just depends what's, who's available. But okay. if, it's good to have a good relationship with them. So we've had, I think it's Scott Davies is the um, guy who've, who's come and spoken to our department mm-hmm. a few times, and we often um, ask for his advice and help. Yep.
0: Okay. All right. But the first attempt could be done by an anesthetist, and maybe if it's failed after two to two attempts, you'd be looking at more.
2: <coughs> if it's a straight imaging guidance. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. If we, if you think it's a straightforward like this is the fluff Matt was talking about. If it's, <laughs> it's a straightforward, um, uncomplicated um, presentation and someone where you don't think there's something complicated going on, there's yep. no other pathology. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe if there <coughs> was some anatomical mm. problem within the patient, then you might be more likely to go early to. Yeah. Um, having some sort of radiological guidance to sure. get in. But I think, you know, straightforward, you know, we know that they fail sometimes and they need to be repeated mm. and they can be repeated repeatedly mm-hmm. by anesthetists.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and how would you sort of classify the indications for a blood patch? When would you? What, what, what sort of, yeah, what procedures would, or in uh, what instances so, would we do a blood so patch? So when would no? you do it?
2: Yeah. So, the, well, I think you have to know. That they have a dural um, tear or leak, mm-hmm. or highly suspect that they have a dural tear or leak, and that has to be causing symptoms that you're treating. So, um, yeah, for example, um, you know, someone could have known dural puncture. You know, everyone who we do a spinal one gets a dural mm-hmm. puncture, but if they don't have any symptoms, um, then in my mind, there's no point. It's not. Um, indicated until you you, know, you try to, because there is some risk involved in doing a p- blood patch, mm-hmm. so you have to have some reason to do it. So someone with a symptomatic headache is the classic thing. But yep. sometimes you probably go into this, sometimes they don't have headaches they have neurolo- mm-hmm. uh, some neurological signs like tinnitus or um, neck pain and some other sort of weird presentations. Mm-hmm. But they may that, that may be an indication as well.
0: Okay. We actually cover quite a bit of the PDPH stuff in another previous podcast I think, so um, we can go in, mm-hmm. if anybody wants to know when to do a <coughs> blood patch and what sort of signs and symptoms to look for, then um, have a listen to that earlier podcast. Um, so, yes, yeah, so indications like mostly for us, it's usually procedural related, so either due to inadvertent puncture, yep. um a single-shot spinal, or even a diagnostic LP. Um, but other non-procedural ones would be spontaneous intracranial hypotension, which I think a lot of mm-hmm. the neurologists see, and that's when they do... Yep. Blood patches for that. Um, okay, what are some contraindications? Would it be the same contraindications for a normal epidural, pretty much?
1: Yes. Yeah. Thinking of the contraindications of a normal epidural. So, mm. should we waste through those quickly? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Roger.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, patient refusal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um,
2: you know, sepsis or infection over the um, local site, you know, around where you mm-hmm. want to do the procedure. Um, or systemic infection, uh, coagulopathy. So, if you're worried about um, um, you know any sort of form of um, acquired or con- or um, pre-existing coagulopathy, or, or was anticoagulants have been given recently, um, anatomical contraindications. So, you know, some people have um, you know anatomical structures in their back mm. that they were born with. Um, what else? Those are the main ones, I think. Yeah. Those are the main ones. Yeah, you
1: know, neurosurgical things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Previous surgery.
0: Yeah. One. Okay. <coughs> um, and what is the mechanism of action? Oh, look, sorry, oh, can yeah, I just yeah, add yeah. to that?
1: I mean, you, you might be a little bit more um, likely not to do it if there was some signs of systemic sepsis. Yeah. Um, thinking, you know, we sometimes might put an <coughs> epidural in somebody for labour pain who's possibly got some raised blood pressure uh, sorry raised temperature or chorioamnitis, you know that kind of risk benefit yeah but i think if there's a sense of systemic infection mm. given yeah. that you're about to take blood and then inject that yeah. into so the axis so you would be like more loath to do that like a bacteremia or sepsis if there's actual
0: potential so that's yeah, right. yeah. yeah you don't yeah. want to be injecting that into the
2: yeah that's right and actually yeah. another one i read which is a bit rare probably not that common in obstetric practice is uh, cancer so people okay. with leukemia and that so sometimes they have um yeah, lumbar punctures and things done as part of their cancer treatment, and they obviously can get a headache. Mm. Uh, but there was a case series, and this was in one of the articles you can send us, where they had done blood patches on, um, I think it was 40 to 60 mm. patients, and they didn't have any systemic, they didn't have any transmission of, uh, of the cancer into the urexium. Okay. But that might be something you want to think twice about.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <coughs> um, so moving on, what is the mechanism of action of blood patches? Like how do they work or why do they work? I've got here sort of two mechanisms that sort of work synergistically. Um, one is by injecting blood into the space, you're increasing the CSF pressure and that compresses on the thecal sac and increases intracranial pressure subsequently. Yep. And the other mechanism is... Um, by injecting blood, um, you are sealing the actual puncture site um, and help promote clot formation. Um, yeah, by plugging my, the hole. Those and are. so, that's th- my is it, those are your understanding yep. of how yep. blood patches work.
2: Yeah. Yep. I have heard one, one other theory, and that is like a bit like um, platelet and blood injections into joints and things like that, is that blood has all these um, growth factors that encourage healing, and that maybe okay. it just encourages the juror to heal up faster. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true or not. Mm.
0: Um, when would you do epidural blood patches? Like, what time frame post epidural puncture would you be thinking about offering an epidural blood patch? Or what does the literature say?
1: Well, in more recent <laughs> years, I feel like I'm mean, a survivor. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> making me feel anxious. Yeah. Now.
0: <laughs> I've got the answers here, but mm.
1: <laughs> the, the general um, advice now is to give it 48 hours. Um, there is some fairly low-level evidence that um, if you patch within 48 hours, there's a lesser chance of it being permanently successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some general guidance out now that try and wait at least 48 hours following the drill puncher. Mm-hmm. The caveat, of course, to that is if you've got somebody that's really struggling to Which manage and just can't yeah. Can't, can't... yeah.
0: Which, yeah. in a way, it's its own risk factor, means the headache or the hole is probably bigger or more severe. Which automatically increases the risk yeah. of probably needing a second blood patch anyway exactly. after forty-eight yeah. hours. Okay, yep. and then so they talk
1: about the the effects of CSF and local anaesthetic within the epidural space, which may do things to your coagulation of your blood as well. Yeah. So if you've got a um, you know an epidural space full of local, maybe from an epidural top up, still, or you've got CSF leaking at high rate into the epidural space, then it may not be as effective hmm. um, in terms of the blood clotting. It does weird yeah. things to your. Yeah. Regulation.
0: I was reading that local anesthetics actually have antiplatelet activity. Mm. I didn't know yeah. that, um, but yeah. So, so if there is, like you said, residual local anesthetic, then it may, yeah, increase a yeah. failure rate of doing a blood patch too early. Yeah. Yep.
2: So I think in general that is the approach that we take. Mm. But, um, it's quite interesting. I did read um, the review article that you sent through Sneha, and mm. um, it's interesting. They talk about um, this is something I've just read literally. 45 minutes ago. <laughs> we'll <laughs> well post the about, article on the they podcast. They do talk <laughs> about um, prophylactic, urgent, early and late blood patches. Yeah. Um, and that's how they sort of – and then they have like a little paragraph talking about them. So um, – and they, they talked about, um, you know, prophylact- evidence for and against prophylactic blood patches. So I guess, you know, that that's oh. sort of scenario would be like an, an, a witnessed uh, puncture with a very large needle, like a 16 or 17 or 18 gauge ear needle and then when they've just gone ahead and just done a blood patch as soon as they've finished labouring uh, and the, there is a question mark around that so there's no so so some case series have said that that this helped but then other other authors argue that you know a large number of yeah. those um, patients would never wouldn't have gone on to mm. develop a headache in the first place so you're doing a procedure that's mm. not indicated mm. so that's sort of Controversial. We certainly
1: don't do it. I don't, uh, well, I don't know if no, other I places mean, do it. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think it's more of a US thing. It's an yeah, literature. but
2: certainly there are there probably are some pa- places that uh, consider doing that. Um, but they do talk about urgent blood patches, which I haven't come across as a concept before. But they talk about it. anyone who's got sort of cranial neurologic findings. You should can which are where you um, are highly s- more strongly suspect they're due to low CSF pressure. You know things like um, diplopia and you know, cranial nerves getting affected mm. and you should consider getting on and doing mm. a really urgent blood patch because that's, they say, signifies sort of ischemia on, on those nerves because they're being stretched. Mm. Okay. Um, but so did they so provide evidence
1: that doing a blood patch will um, reduce... So the then talked about like-
2: how, um, you know, there's some, some authors or people have suggested that early blood patches and, and these patients have, mm. you know, case report level but helped um, resolve these... Um, But anyway, something to think about. That um, if some, you know, to, to, you know, know, think about, you know, not waiting 48 hours Mm. if someone's got diplopia.
3: Mm. Okay. And then they talked
2: about early blood patches you know, before 48 hours and after 48 hours. And I think um, similar to what um, Matt was saying, you know, most people suggest waiting 48 hours. Mm. Where possible. Where possible. But their review of the literature was that the evidence that, the evidence that waiting 48 hours is better is probably not that strong because of some of the confounding factors mm-hmm. in that um, the early ones are often done and people with them are the bigger, the bigger leaks and therefore more likely to have failures in the first place. Mm. So
0: Okay. Um, what time of day should blood patches be done? Ideally in hours during staffed well-staffed hours. How yeah? <laughs> would you want to be doing it at 2 a.m. in the in the middle of I the night? I think you should
2: get, like, a junior person who's never done a blood patch uh, <laughs> and who's got three things happening in the middle of the hospital that do it at 5.30am when they've been up all night. Mm. <laughs> i
0: agree. <laughs> um, yeah. So usually in hours. In hours, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah.
2: most yeah. of the time patients... Um, they going to lie. In, they can lie in bed and sleep overnight, mm. um, so they're not mobilising, and so that, that their headaches. Yeah. usually not too bad. It can wait till the morning. And you know. um, obviously, you want to have resources and time and do it when people are well rested and awake, because yeah. you don't want to do another dural puncture
1: accidentally. Mm. So you want senior people involved, and um, yeah, and also a lot of hospitals time their <coughs> anticoagulation in the evenings, mm. so it gives you that time frame of safety buffer yeah. to yeah. Um,
0: after clx or after yeah, okay. Uh, and where would you normally do blood patches as in whereabouts in the hospital? So here in our hospital, we tend to get them up to the anaesthetic bay and do it in um, the our anaesthetic. It's an environment we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. We have the, like, equipment. We have the technicians and staff and everything up here. Yep. Would you do it anywhere else? In you can do it anywhere. Yeah. I've yeah. done
1: it in emergency departments. Um, but I think those are requirements, aren't they? Labeled. Um, equipment, assistance, mm. space. Yes.
0: yeah.
2: Yep, so like um, at the peripheral hospital uh, the other hospital I do quite a bit of obstetrics, I, we do them in labelled okay. uh, or theatre mm-hmm. because those are the places where we – because basically it's a, you need the equipment to do yep. an epidural. Mm. Yep. So those are the places where we have all the equipment for doing epidurals um, and we have people who can assist you who, are, mm. who know what to get you and um, yeah. how to help you. Yeah. Um, but you can do it. In, you know, I have done them in emergency departments and other places.
0: Okay. Um. How do you consent a patient for a blood patch? This can be very tricky. I find to to, to consent them because there's a lot of questions I'll ask you, and hmm. sometimes we're not really sure how successful, they, how safe they are, how effective, and how successful it will be. So, what is your approach like, Matt and Roger? Yeah, how would you start with the consent for the patient?
1: Well, hopefully over the course of the preceding 48 hours mm. or so, we've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. so it's not a new conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's something, you know, when, when you're dealing with a patient that's got a neural, or a potentially dural puncture headache, mentioning a blood patch early is useful, but mm. not going into it in great detail because it may be that they don't actually need it. Because mm. as we know, most dural puncture headaches resolve. If you yeah. wait long enough, they'll all go away. Mm. So um, we don't necessarily need to label the point, but introducing it, I think, at an early stage is useful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if we're thinking, actually, yeah, we're going to go down this uh, this route now, um, I would take written consent Mm -hmm. because this is a more of a sort of intervention Mm -hmm. procedure. Um, I think it's slightly different to doing an epidural because it's got some different risk factors. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that we necessarily need to do. Um, Yeah. So I, sort of
0: I, elective, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I, yeah. I, I, would,
1: yep. I would see it more. Would, would you agree,
2: Roger? Yeah and, um, yeah, and I think it's not like you know, women who are in labour and uh, in pain and it's you, sometimes you just do verbal consent. I think this is mm-hmm. something that's you know, a much more considered decision than you want to have. I think so.
1: Yeah, and we've got time to yeah. do that yeah. as well. <clears throat> um, the uh, for, I would say why we're doing it what the potential benefits are, Mm -hmm. which is resolution of headache. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the risks, Mm -hmm. um, I would talk about uh, number one is failure. Mm. Uh, And I would say that most of the time they work, Mm -hmm. but a reasonable proportion will fail. Mm. And we may need to do it again. And we can talk about success rates a little bit later. Oh now!
0: Oh yeah, we can talk about it now. Probably yeah, yeah. yeah. Now's good. Now. If the pa- yeah, patient's like, well, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> how, how many patients? Give me some
2: numbers. Yeah, doc. yeah. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone loves numbers. <laughs> and the numbers, uh, are yeah, I mean, have I've got the Yeah, they've years. changed in the no, sort um, of ver-
0: the various quoted ones, but the one I've sort of kept is one third partially relieve your symptoms, another third fully relieve your symptoms, and then another third don't work. But happy to be with that.
1: Just, just, just that processing that. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Two, thirds, so two thirds, two yeah,
0: yeah. of the time, two thirds yeah. of the time, roughly sixty-five percent of the time, you'll yeah. get some relief.
1: Mm. You get some; it'll help. Some yeah. relief, yeah. And yeah. Um, and and I think the the way that our success rates have come down from originally, we used to say ninety percent, didn't mm. we? Yeah, ninety-eight percent down to we one third. We won't follow you up, but we're pretty sure ninety-eight exactly. It's 98%. because, you're because you're we don't <laughs> hear back from you. Yeah, we don't hear back. That means your headaches go on, but of course, yeah. If you study it better, and and you know, a lot of those numbers have come from Mike. Yes, study. Looking at the different volumes of epidural blood to put into a blood patch. And I think, yeah, I think it was exactly that. So permanent cure, which is probably what we're aiming for, Mm. was only present in about a third, Mm. which is really remarkable. But then when you look for it and you study it well, that's kind of what you find. Mm. But then, you know, partially resolving a headache, I think, is good. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we can partially or permanently resolve the headache in about two-thirds of cases. Okay. But I think, you know, most of the time, um, it does go away. But unfortunately, in, in not, an un, not a small proportion, it mm. does recur. Yes. And I think that's important too. But you can, you can say, look, when it does recur, it's often not as severe. Yeah. Um, and we may not need to do anything beyond that. But we also may need to repeat the blood patch.
0: And the success rate is higher with the second blood patch. I think it goes up to maybe 80, 90. Yeah, 19, I would or? caution that
1: because okay. you're okay. looking at very small numbers now. Okay. Because yes. you're not actually...
2: Yeah, we haven't really studied those mm-hmm. repeat blood. Patches, I, I must admit, it, I I, I, I throw out those numbers, but I say please don't hang your head on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're very wishy-washy. Yeah, we haven't really talked about this, um, so, so I guess patients want to know when should we pull the trigger on? Because basically, you say to the patient, wait, we can body. wait, and most of the time, like everything in your body, everything heals, and eventually this will heal mm-hmm. over. The hole will heal over by itself, and the headache will go away. Um, so they want to know when should we pull the trigger and go for a blood pension? Yeah. So that's, that's mm-hmm. sort of the art of it, isn't it?
1: And, um, and, we, and that's why I think it's important to talk about the alternative. So when you're yeah. first discussing this with patients, um, you know, giving them a sort of time because your first conversation may be when they don't even have a headache. Mm. So you've, you've, you know you've done a general puncture and, you know, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to get a mm-hmm. headache. Um, so even providing that guidance that, you know, what's potentially going to happen over the next few days.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I usually phrase it, and um, the two things that sort of push you towards a flood patch are the inability to function. So, if you literally cannot get out of bed and shower and look after your children and your baby, uh, it's pretty then good. You should think mm-hmm. about it, um, or if it's um, you know really severe and it's just. Um, you know, really <clears throat> upsetting, and you know, like you know, really severe pain where you're getting depressed and you can't sleep, and it's just, mm. yeah, it's really wrecking you. If yeah, that's a sort of subject, mm. subjective thing. Yeah, um, and also after a trial of conservative th- therapy of you know 48 hours is them is, mm. the, is the time we go for, um, but often you know people will try you know go for three or four days and it's still really bad. I've mm. had enough, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of the time they they know. They yeah, know they, they usually tell us. Yeah.
1: Yep. They, and and sometimes they might think, well, I might, might go for it. And then the next morning, do you know what? It's getting better. better. And yeah. then yeah. we never go there. So yep. yeah. I think regular follow-up knowing, um, you know, making it clear what's potentially ahead.
0: And what the options are. And, and mm-hmm. what
1: the options are and mm. what the alternatives are as mm-hmm. well, yeah. So we'll talk about um, yeah, f- risk of it failing. Mm. And then those um, more common, though mm-hmm. less severe side effects, and uh, of those, backache. Mm-hmm. Backache is the most very, common. Very common. Yeah. You, you, you see it almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the important thing, I think, is, um, well, let patients know that backache is very common as we do the procedure it's not necessarily a bad thing Mm. no Um, and if you do get backache whilst you're doing it you can just slow things down and then gently restart again Mm -hmm. Um, longer term backache look the sort of short term backache does seem to hang around for a little bit longer term backache is a thing potentially Um, and then you've got these sort of very rare neurological things like arachnoiditis Mm -hmm. and subdural hematomas and just weird stuff Mm. Um, yeah and then all the other risks we've talked about of a
0: Normal epidural. Normal epidural. And the risk of a repeat dural puncture. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> the risk of it failing. Without you scaring them, <laughs> to you know. have another one.
0: You may get yeah two we holes. We and, haven't
2: really mentioned this, but I think yeah. my my gut feeling is that nowadays, if, if the first one fails, you should be thinking about and doing some imaging before you move on to do another one. For further, you few, mean after the first blood patch? Yes. Yeah, so once yeah. you've done yeah. one blood patch, if you haven't already, you should be thinking to yourself, we should
0: either imaging it. or reconsider your diagnosis. Yeah, we should
2: yeah. reconsider. Yeah. That's my gut feeling. I know that yeah, there are sometimes you have patients where it's a witnessed obvious dural puncture, and there's CSF mm. sprays everywhere, everyone knows it's dural puncture, and they have a classic mm. headache and they don't have any neurological signs, and you do one blood patch and it doesn't work, and then you're like, oh, should we do an MRI before we do the next one? But I don't know if we're going to talk about this, but mm. people can get subdural hematomas and other things from the, mm, lowest, from the low yeah. from the lowest CSF yeah. pressures. So I don't know, I think we... Um, in general, we should have a low threshold to image mm. them
1: with an MRI. But, but I think if you did a blood patch and the headache went away and it was a sort of slam dunk blood yep. patch um, and the headache went away and then came back over the next few days, yep. I think, and it was positional and had all the other characteristics of a postural punch yep. headache, personally, I think it would be reasonable to proceed with a second mm-hmm. blood yep. patch without imaging. But I would agree, Roger, any doubt with the, um, the clinical, picture. The, clinical the, the clinical diagnosis yeah. yep. and two things can happen at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yep. So that was actually one of my other questions. Do you need to do imaging prior to every blood patch? But we've just answered that. that yeah, sorry. not every yeah. blood patch. Yeah, but if no. If, if yeah. If there's any doubt you or... You could individualise yeah. that question. Yeah.
2: There's, no, yeah.
0: there's no black or white answer for that. Okay. Um, mm. uh, sorry, you just mentioned something earlier. How... if it, if So if you did do a recognised dural puncture and you were counselling the patient the next day, uh, what rate would you quote as her or him or her getting a um, headache? Obviously, assume it's, assuming it's a 16-gauge 2 16 or 17-gauge 2E, would you say there's at least a 50% chance you'll get a headache? Or is there any...? Or,
1: well, depending on the patient group. Yeah. Yeah, obstetric yeah. patients.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's probably,
2: I don't know, what do you think? 80%. Think, 70, yeah. 70 80%. 70 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More
0: likely Most, than not. Yeah. 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 Okay. With a 2E needle at least. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, Okay, moving on to uh, who should be doing this. We sort of briefly talked about it. How senior the, the practitioner should be. Can you do? Normally, we say blood patches are a two-operator procedure. One doing the phlebotomy in a sterile technique, and the yes. other one doing the um, epidural. But can it be done uh, as a solo operator? I, I know I've some
2: people I've do done do it, do it. it once yeah. because uh, I, and someone told me. Um, uh, a long time ago, I can't remember who it was. Mm. I apologise if you were the, if someone <laughs> listening and said I told you about that, Rog. Um, where I actually was doing it in the emergency department, and I tried to recruit someone to, you know, be the phlebotomist in a sterile manner, and I lost confidence in the <laughs> sterile technique. Um, so I, I just threaded an epidural catheter, oh, and then okay. um, and then I uh, uh, took the blood myself and injected it through the epidural catheter, which has a bacterial filter. Um, I don't know okay. if it takes out all the good stuff from the blood and stops it from clotting. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Filters out all the... So I
2: think ideally you want someone you can trust um, okay. who has good sterile technique and can give you a 30 ml syringe full of blood t- taken in an aseptic, sterile manner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you I,
2: think, I think
1: ideally having a two-person technique for this is... Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so it should, should be... Should should be what we should trifle. promote. yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. That's all I, I and, agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I do hear of it being done by one person mm-hmm. and reaching, getting into the epidural space, leaving the 2 needle stuck in the back. Yeah. Going around and taking some blood and... And, and then... That's... Yep, and then know, know, coming
0: back and injecting it, yeah. Certainly what,
1: what, yeah. over the years, sometimes getting blood can be harder than yeah. the, doing the epidural. Yeah,
0: that's what yeah. I'm <laughs> interested in. And
1: so I would feel uncomfortable, you know, doing that personally. Yeah. But um, I look, you know, you may be in an environment where you just don't have a, another person to yeah. to help out.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, in the public health, like you've, in the public hospitals, you've got registrars and other mm. things. But how does it work in, in, say, private hospitals? Or if there's only consultants, um, uh, do you ask another consultant colleague or to help out? Or
1: yeah, ask yeah. ask another
2: colleague. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay. Mm. yep uh, Or um, I've used uh, ONG um, staff registrars.
0: Oh, okay. They can do the phlebotomy. Yeah. For, yeah.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah. anyone who's trained in you know, AC, you know, gowning and gloving and. Yeah doing a sterile procedure. And you can
1: sort of set things up before you start as well in yeah, terms yeah. of putting the tourniquet on yeah. but not tightening it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prepping tech, the arm yeah. and putting a drape on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but you, look, importantly, you know, the, the product we're putting in has to be as sterile, sterile as, as possible. As yeah. Removed yeah. from the patient. So. Okay.
0: We'll get to the ins and outs of exactly how we do it soon. Just um, So in terms of monitoring, what sort of monitoring would you want?
2: Swan Gans catheter. Um, <laughs> EEG. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Standard ANSCA monitoring.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the presence means. of a keeps yeah. Look, yeah. I, I personally don't. You really do need,
2: and an, you do need to put an IV in because pe- patients can have the pass out. Okay, so do
0: you put an IV in before in a non-sterile fashion, like as a spare IV?
2: No, no, just like a, just, a, just a, a small IV in in the, in the hand or something like that, just in case.
0: Okay, but before you start the procedure, yeah, before you right. actually okay. do, what that? do you do,
2: Matt? Um, you just I, 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 what's, I, what's you the right answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Look, you can I, argue I, either way. I think yeah. um, that's, yeah. that's what a lot of people say, and I think that's what I have.
1: Traditionally yeah, done. I haven't, but. Okay. Um,
0: but you do the cannulation first, me? Okay, we'll get to that anyway next. But yeah. okay. Um, SATS probe, ECG? Not,
2: not. You could just have them available. Yeah, I mean,
0: just available, readily mm. available. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay. I mean, you don't put SATS probes and ECG on people when you do labour mm. epidurals. So yeah. it's, it's basically the same level of monitoring as when you're doing a, an epidural. Yeah. Labour would Okay. You know, have them but
1: like. it might alert me to a vasovagal, so I'll put a cannula in yeah um i I think you know um depends yeah you can argue there's no no harm with just putting a sats probe on the finger and putting a cannula in yeah yeah
0: i sort of just put a sats probe on when i put a blood pressure cuff on yeah mostly for the way because the sats probe gives me a heart rate as well so i use that as a bit of a pseudo ecg as well and with Um, your
1: one epidural blood patch
0: yeah with my n N equals one (laughs) yeah
1: did you put a cannula in
0: So I, um, she ended up having a vasovago, but I, so what I did was with my second, my (laughs) second operator, I got them to put a cannula in under sterile technique before I started my epidural. Mm -hmm. So at least there was IV access before I started the epidural part. So yeah. Yeah. I'd probably advocate for cannula going in before maybe Mm. the epidural um, insertion, but um, sedation, have you ever... Offered sedation to patients. Is sedation appropriate in that case? Would they need to be fasted? What What, what have you done in your experience? I haven't, yeah. but I, I
1: no reason not no. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, not heavy be. sedation. I think yeah. Yeah. you could give them a
2: little bit, bit of midazolam. Like yeah, you know, yeah. surgeries are, yeah.
1: are being traumatic, and, yeah. and you know, I
2: I think that'll be yeah. That sounds fine. You know,
1: yeah, if you are the monitored environment yeah. to do that.
2: So in that case,
0: you might need our mm-hmm. oxygen available, and then you'd probably yeah. a to probe in, yeah. and, and then do more, hmm. more. If
1: you're doing it, you know, theatre or something like that, fine. But okay. it's, it's not a common thing at no, all. No, I don't yeah. think so. Most people, you don't. Yeah,
2: yep.
0: and most people you do. Sound, you do. You do want that sort of verbal feedback from yeah. them yeah, as well, right. rather yeah. than them yeah. being completely knocked out. Um,
2: yeah. So if you were getting sedation, just just a smidge, a smidge, smidge yeah. Yeah. just enough, a smidge to take the anxiety away. Mm. Mm. Not,
0: excellent, Viva answer. Mm. Not a the, smidge not, not the sedation <laughs> we
2: give for colonoscopies, <laughs> where they can't remember anything for a week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay um, all right now we'll go into sort of the intricacies of the actual procedure so positioning sitting versus lateral. My thoughts are if they their symptoms get worse when sitting, then try and yep. do it lateral so I think most yeah. prefer most patients would prefer to have it done lateral. Yep. But is but, that
2: but yeah. if the patient has challenging anatomy, mm. they're obese they've got a lot of edema you can't feel their back sometimes I just say, listen it's going to be much more likely that we'll get it, um, have a greater and earlier success if we set you up. Mm-hmm. So have a look at the patient mm-hmm.
1: and have a discussion. Yep.
0: Okay.
1: My understanding is the evidence is there isn't enough evidence to say whether one's better than the mm-hmm. other. Um, I generally do mine laterals simply because they've got a headache sitting yep. up and yep. it's more comfortable. Yep. But yeah, But I would agree that if it's going to be difficult in that position or you're unfamiliar with that p- position, then... Try sitting. Try sitting. Yeah. yeah and and often just do it quicker. I, I find they're
2: often not too bad sitting up. I mean, mm. they know... that. Just write it out. Write it out. Bear it with us for yeah. That's right. They do. Yeah. They've they been up there looking after babies. Yeah, and they're, they're pretty stoic. Yeah, and they, yeah. Want, and they want you to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one thing I've learned about doing lateral epidurals is it <coughs> depends on what um, uh, if you're right hand dominant or left hand dominant. Mm-hmm. So if you're right hand dominant, you'd want their right side yeah. to be up because that gives you more room. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if you're left handed, you'd want their left side to be up. So that's just something to note as well when doing lateral, neuraxials in any way. Um, uh, and with my one blood patch that I had done, she did have it. She did. Well, I did it sitting. She was happy to do it sitting, but she ended up having a vasovagal and I ended up having to get her lateral while trying to remain sterile as well. Yeah, um, well, and then I end up having mm. to give ephedrine as well because it was like she had a proper.
1: Okay, proper sounds to me like you should put a drip in. Yeah. We start. <laughs> well, no, just put them lateral to start. That's true. Oh, yeah. just put them Maybe lateral. You I can happen, avoid, so the, yeah.
0: avoid the avoid the Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so <laughs> moving on to the phlebotomy. Um, obviously, the setup needs to be fully sterile, um, not like aseptic non touch. It's a fully sterile technique. Um, if they are lateral, um, what arm would you try and, and which vein on the arm? What, what's your preference?
1: So, yeah, if so I would go, yeah. yeah. So, my typical setup would be left side down, so left lateral.
0: Left lateral, left side being down. Being a right hander, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, yeah. Sneha, and then um, put a tourniquet on the left, so the lower. Mm-hmm. Yep. and you can sort of put that around so it's all ready to go yep. um, to prep and drape so if someone just needs to sneak in pull the tourniquet tight mm-hmm. Yep, and then it's sort of the arms lying out straight
0: yep. and you try and go you have a look at the veins before you start yep. but you want to yep. find a nice juicy one ideally in the mm. ACF if possible because it makes the blood draw easier but if not the forearm I have tried the hand but sometimes you can get IV access but it's hard to actually mm. um, withdraw I just, blood I just
2: get a person to take blood with a, a syringe and a needle Okay, so you don't put mm. a... Ca-
0: okay, that was my next question. Do you put a cannula in,
3: or do you well, do just a... Well, s- they like, a blue, do
2: a, blue ca- a blue cannula in, say, the other arm. Okay. <clears throat>
3: and...
2: And then you just then you you do take some blood okay. with a 30-mil syringe okay. in, in a large anticubital vein. Okay. And, off, yeah, have a good look at the veins before you start, because, okay. like Matt says, mm. you... You, it you, can you, yeah, you can catch you, yeah, you can catch you out Get the two you need and, a limb and then you're there for 15 <laughs> minutes while people are running around looking for ultrasounds and stuff, <laughs> because someone can't take blood. Yeah. So... If they have difficult veins, you might even want to get the ultrasound in the room mm. to s- mm. so that the person taking blood is going to be able to take it. In a timely in a fashion.
0: In th- mm. timely fashion, yeah. Okay. And Matt, what do you do? Do you do a single? Yeah, a single
1: uh, syringe and a needle. Okay. Yep. yep.
0: Um, cool. So both options, you can either do that or you can put a cannula, uh, like usually an 18 gauge at least cannula in so you can get mm. some um, good blood to draw if you as another option. Um, when should the blood draw be done? Before or after loss of resistance to saline? So or before or after you find the epidural space? I think
2: it starts clotting once it gets in the plastic syringe. Okay, so you so want to... You don't you don't want to draw the blood and then hit, find that the person is struggling, struggling to the find the yeah. loss yeah. of yeah. resistance. So... so Yeah, after. Um, after. after, yeah. yeah. So, so ready to go. Uh, um, usually I'm the one doing the epidural, so I find the space and then I say, okay, can you take the blood now? hmm once, once you've got the muscle mm-hmm. resistance, yeah.
0: And how many mils of blood do you ask the phlebotomist to take? Thirty mils, generally. Thirty mils.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and then they hand it over to you, over the patient. Mm-hmm. Do you need to turn the syringe, like keep it, mix it a bit so to prevent clotting, or just hand it over and just inject? I think pretty much it is within, it's, within, um, within ten seconds. You'll be injecting. Pretty yeah, much. it's
1: not going to clot that fast. Yeah. I guess if
2: there's some sort of delay, you might want to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And certainly actually thinking about it, there have been delays over. (laughs) Some some of the the biggest problems I've experienced have been getting the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe we've focused too much on the the epidural Epidural bit bit. and not on the blood. And I think that's a good point, having the ultrasound, maybe looking just being very clear where you're going to go beforehand. Yeah, before you set up
0: and get all sterile.
1: Yeah, I remember one episode of injecting, I think we got to about 20 mils, but it was through about five different... The yeah, and it was five, very... Four, yeah. four or five mils of inch worth. Of yeah, so no, it, I think it can be difficult. Yeah. Yep.
0: And it's, the okay. patient's right there, like their face is right there staring mm. at you.
1: Sticking out like yeah. you got unlimited supply of blood. Yeah. That's true. No, so, so if the blood comes out quick, you know, it's just a clean yeah. sweep, then I will just inject it. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, and in terms of your setup of your tray for your epidural, any different to how you'd normally, s- from performing a normal epidural? Um, I know there's basically no need for a catheter, a filter, the connector, or the dressings. Mm-hmm. You just basically need your needle, your 2 needle, your local anesthetic for skin, and your loss of resistance syringe with saline or air, whatever you choose. Yeah. That's it, right? You, everything yeah. else you can just put aside. You don't <laughs> need. That's right. Unless you decide to thread a catheter in. No, for, I don't no, recommend that. Don't recommend I just, yeah. That's just an That was an just anecdote, a one-off, okay. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't yeah. recommend Okay. It. okay. Um, but these,
1: just going it. back to the you know the prophylactic blood patches, that's mm-hmm. how they were done.
2: You know, thread right, an epidural in and just. So what used to happen, it. I think, was in some of these um, centres, was someone would do an accidental dural puncture, mm-hmm. and rather than thread an intrathecal catheter, they would come out and place an epidural at another level, yeah. usually one above, uh, or something similar. And then at the end of their labour, once the baby's delivered, they would then do a prophylactic blood patch through that epidural catheter before oh, they took it out. Yeah,
1: that's okay. my understanding. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, and <coughs> would you, is there any evidence in terms of using an 18-gauge 2E this time for your blood patch instead of a 16-gauge? Or would you just use what you're familiar with and what you normally do? Dunno, Keep it
2: yeah. as you just do what you're familiar yeah. with. I mean, yeah, obviously, I you, you do it yeah. really carefully because yeah. you're trying not to do another um, puncture. Yeah. I haven't heard of anyone doing a accidental puncture during a blood patch, but I guess it has mm. happened.
1: Have yeah. you have you met? Oh, well, I've heard of um, subdural lumbar subdural injections. So we've kind of half done a dural puncture. Mm. Yeah. So we've yeah. injected the blood within the subdural space. Subdural space, space. okay. Yeah. And the cases of arachnoiditis are presumably from an intrathecal injection of blood. Blood. Yeah. 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 So so we look at has happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So before you do inject the butt, so if you get loss of resistance and you're like, yep, happy with the loss of resistance, you get your phlebotomist um, to draw the blood so before you inject the blood you do another check to make sure I, you're definitely yeah, definitely yeah. Do, Sneha, yeah. yeah
1: especially yeah. if there's been a delay in getting the blood
0: yeah yeah so do another check to make sure you're definitely in the space then yeah. inject the blood but not
1: injecting a load of saline yeah it's probably not a problem if you did but yeah yeah
0: well actually one of the one of the papers said that they used to in the past just inject saline mm. because there used to be epidural saline patches <laughs> basically yes but yeah and that
2: so they're only transient, in yeah. effect. So they, yeah. they, they worked in this, the way you described They would probably they work in that first mechanism, push, yes, which yes. is increasing CSF yeah, pressure,
0: do. but not actually sealing the, the yeah. hole.
2: Okay. And so people, are, I think, have used things like dextran and colloids and stuff, which hang around in mm.
1: the, and longer than a crystalloid. And when I but they're not as good as blood. started many moons ago, <laughs> we, we would hang up a bag of saline on an epidural and just infuse a litre. Thinking that it was going to help, Sorry, because it seemed a drip to or through, the through the epidural. Oh, okay. Yeah, because but of don't that volume. Don't do that anyway. But please don't do that anymore. <laughs> okay. And look, I, you know, It, don't it, try this at it home. helps the headache; it, the headache goes away. Yeah. For the reason we talked about, why blood patches work. Yeah. Just by expanding the epidural volume and the pressure. Yeah. Pushes, but it, it just doesn't last. Line, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know if it does any harm, but it doesn't <clears> last. <throat> but. Yeah.
0: And have you ever used ultrasound when doing a blood patch as an epiduralist? And when would you use ultrasound, yes, I, I guess? Yep. Yes,
2: I, me too. I, I use ultrasound if I can't feel the anatomy in someone's spine. Yeah. I have a low threshold. For using the ultrasound. And especially when you're doing a, um, a blood patch, mm-hmm. you want to be really...
0: Cautious, I guess, yeah. Um,
2: ...conservative yeah. because, you know, they've already had one dural puncture. So if, mm-hmm. I sit, if I... Usually I'm sitting them up if they've got tricky anatomy. Mm-hmm. And if I can't feel where to go, then, yeah, I use the ultrasound. Yeah, yeah. me too. Have you used... Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, and which lumbar level... Um, should we be targeting? So, if if the if the previous, um, uh, drop puncture at L four uh, L three four, is it, do you go at the same level, a level above, a level below? What's the?
1: I, I what would what? go at the level, or the level below.
0: So the level at or level below. The level at or level below, below. and that's because it tends to spread, cefale. It the blood. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So if you go. That's, level That's below, my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that's what it also said. Um, uh, yeah, I think papers, some people yeah. have
2: done some, um, you know... Uh, r- you know um, Dice... Investigations. Investigations or, <laughs> yeah. or radio-labeled mm. radio bl- red mm. cells or something. Yeah, so...
1: It okay. can spread over several segments. It's quite it's remarkable. I think it's up to though.
0: at least four segments it goes yeah. Yeah. up and down. So, like, nearly eight mm. segments. But I presume yeah. it's very individual. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's hard to know when you're injecting where it's going, but yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, and so now we're getting to sort of talking about... Um, Prof Paik's article on how much blood to inject mm. um, and I believe that paper that he um, researched um, was 20 mils was the suggested is that correct? So there but were three, happy volumes, three volumes 15, yeah.
2: 20 and 30 mils yeah. yep. and mm. I think the success rates were all they were within Kui of each other um, but the conclusion from the study was that um, 20 mils but the the devil's in the detail because you just basically you don't want to inject if they're getting significant discomfort. hmm Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that's still a little bit unclear. I don't think it was like a definitive answer. Yeah. Because there are some other studies. Uh, there's one, I think it was one I was just reading that you, in that review article you gave us which compared... Uh, it was it like five mils or something? Seven and a half yeah. mils yeah. with 15 mils or something like that mm-hmm. and there was no difference. Yeah. So, so it was still unclear. I mean, obviously you need some blood. Otherwise, you're not going to form a clot and you're not going to push anything back up. Um, You don't want to inject too much because you can cause pressure and ischemia and and structures in the back. Um, So, generally speaking... Pragmatically, we sort of aim for 20 mils, but Mm -hmm. you inject it slowly, and if people are getting a lot of symptoms and pressure, then you stop. Is that what
1: you do, Matt? It is, yeah. And I think, you know, reading around Mike's paper... Twenty and thirty mils was probably better than fifteen. but well, it mm-hmm. was better than fifteen in terms mm-hmm. of longer term uh, yep. efficacy, mm-hmm. um, but twenty was no better. So thirty was no better than twenty. Okay, but a lot of patients randomised to thirty never got thirty because they got back pain. Yeah, yeah. So that's so often the limiting factor. I think factor. reading between the lines. Yeah. Aim, aim for 20. Aim for yeah. 20. Look, yeah, I would agree. If you're getting significant back pain or it's uncomfortable, you're now getting resistance, mm. just stop. Yeah. yeah. And even if you only injected a few mils, they make a salient
2: point. And someone, if you've injected, say, two or three mils and they're getting really bad back pain, yeah. you stop. are probably injecting into a some sort of restricted space where there's some sort of stenosis somewhere. Something bad's so going Obviously, a, the There's obviously thing. a lot of high pressure there. You shouldn't, mm. you shouldn't keep injecting. I think that's a really
1: important point, Roger. Don't keep injecting because you will cause ischemia of, of, cause of, of yeah. some structure. Or yeah. the focus on volume. Yeah. Mustn't take your eye off that, that you may be potentially causing hardened by mm. trying to get the volume
2: in. Yeah, so don't, mm. s- don't squeeze it in if that ain't going. It's only, only go for 20 mils if it's easy and uh, not causing serious discomfort mm. mm-hmm. but having said that you know back pain is common yeah, yeah. that's what a, um, how do you
0: differentiate between what's normal that is yeah, pressure. subjective but you know <laughs> yeah.
2: you know what I'm saying if they're, yeah. if they're saying I can feel a little bit of discomfort or if they're going that's really hurting you. you know, yeah it's yeah.
1: more a sort of fullness in the back a tightness yeah. in the back yeah um, but I think if you're getting that that's normal you kind of your praxia and those yeah.
2: Yep. radiculopathy down we, the legs yeah. and things okay don't get fixated on giving the whole 20 mils yeah okay yeah.
0: And yeah. How so, s- so aim for aim for 20 aim for 20 where possible yeah um, how slow or fast do you inject so when I did I sort of paused every 5 mils because she would feel a little bit of fullness yeah. or tiny. and I paused mm-hmm. I don't know, gave it time to sort of settle and her to sort of like Get used to that sensation and then inject another sort of five yeah, mils presumably slowly. it yeah. spreads a little bit as well. Yeah. Because mm-hmm.
2: it's a bit more viscous than the usual saline that we use when we get yeah. loss of resistance. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I, I give about five mils if it's um, fairly easy to inject and then mm. i wait a little bit and then give a bit more. Yeah, when, As you're getting nearer the 20 mils, it usually may be a little bit less than five mils, mm. two or three mils at a time.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you sort of do intermittent...
2: Yeah, just yeah.
1: inject a little bit and then see yeah. how they're feeling.
0: Yeah, how do you do
2: that? Yeah, yeah, I
1: think, yeah, you know, just... just you, inject. You, yeah, you, <laughs> you don't want to closs in the syringe. That's guess, true you, as well. No,
2: that's right. You don't um, want to wait. Like, when I say wait, I'm like... A couple know. of seconds. Really.
1: Yeah, yeah like I think I just would just seconds. continuously inject just, just slowly, slowly yeah. maybe yeah. over a minute.
0: Yeah, I've got here yeah. around 30 to 60 seconds, yeah. whether that's continuously or intermittently, either way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Um and we sort of discussed when to stop injecting and how to gauge the patient tolerance or discomfort. It is very subjective, like you said. Um, and uh, I suppose explaining to the patient, sort of like how when we consent for seizures like pressure, you know, mm. um, is normal, but, you know, pain is not. So just, I uh, suppose, making sure the patient expectations are, um, yeah, are, are met. Um, okay, post-procedure. So what instructions do you tell the patient after they've had a blood patch? So it's all done. You've injected your twenty mils. Uh, what, 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 what do you tell them now? What's the what's the next step?
1: I would say, um, and again, this is based on very little evidence. Yep. Um, lie down, For and how long? Um, I, I would say two hours.
0: Two hours, because yeah. some of the papers said between one to two hours, mm-hmm. but ideally two really? hours we where should, possible. I, yeah,
1: two hours doesn't seem that long to me. Yeah, um, and we want this to work. Yeah, but the evidence yeah. of any benefit in lying down longer than. 10 minutes is yeah, there's, there is no know. evidence as i well. would say just don't stop jumping around the room but yeah. lying yeah. flat for two hours and this is then quite important before you do the blood patch you want to make sure that they're able to lie flat for two hours i.e mm. they've had a pee um so that's a question i always ask them you know, yeah. have of, you gone to the toilet yeah because and there's a few other checks you want to do beforehand as well you know like have you had any clexane or heparin or mm. um have we checked your temperature this morning? Is there any chance that there may be else, something else going on? So I think that there's almost like a little check you want to do before you, you commit, mm, Yeah. a blood patch.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and do you give them any head up at all or ideally as flat as possible?
1: I keep them flat.
0: But I keep, yeah. Yep. Okay. I don't think it matters too yep. much.
2: If, okay. they're in a, if they're really uncomfortable and yep. they just want a little bit of head up, that's yep. fine.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I've got here, avoid heavy lifting, strenuous activity for 24 hours. Um which seems reasonable. Um, and safety netting. So, explaining to the patient if the headache is still <coughs> persisting, changing in nature, or worsening, then to consider seeking medical attention again, considering other differentials. Mm. Um, yep. Whether well that's the rare things we talked about, like subdural hematomas, cerebral venous thromboses, mm. um, other, um, yeah, preeclampsia, even. You yep. know, so other, so yeah, just mm. just sort of safety netting the patient with advice to that, and yeah. following up with either phone call. I mean, our our pain service here is very good, and they almost follow up daily. Yes, I think if you every do every a blood days, patch, yeah.
2: then there has to be some sort of scheduled follow up. It's yeah. not it's not on on the patient patient to contact you. Yeah, you have you to have, have like to follow up. And someone, measure, yeah. not necessarily you, but someone and and your service has to f- yeah. have have guaranteed conversation with them to see what's happening.
0: Yeah, daily, every after two well, days. Well, at least, or at least the
2: first day after. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. You, you also want to know if it's worked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: yeah, curiosity for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and how long would we wait um, before, say, the first epidural blood patch didn't work? Um, you call them up the next day, like, nope, my symptoms are still the same, if not, you know, uh, worse. So how long should you wait before offering potentially a second blood patch, assuming you still think it's a. Postural, if it did dural puncture headache.
1: Um. I don't know. If there's any specific okay. time, um, yep. Sneha, but I, uh, you know, individual patient basis. Mm. Okay. If, if, if um, you know, it was all straightforward, and we got into the epidural space, and the headache resolved pretty quickly, mm. and they got up and walked around, and everything was all good, and then it came back. You would think mm, we could do this again, again. fairly yeah. soon. Okay. Um, but look, I would see how are they doing? How are they managing? What do they want to do? Same sort of reassessment yeah, one as of you know, one or two days, usually. Yeah,
2: okay. I mean, you're not going to jump straight back in. But look, if, if, I, if
1: I had doubt that, you know, was that in the right place or... Yeah. Yeah. I would, and again, you know, always use it as an opportunity to think, is this the Re-assess, thing we think yeah. we are treating? Yeah. Because we, we might not have got the diagnosis right from yeah. the outset. Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. Well, those are pretty much all the sort of questions about the procedure. Um, I was going to go into more sort of specific situations like blood patches in Jehovah's Witnesses or doing thoracic and cervical blood patches. I don't think
2: we have much experience in no. any of those. I think <laughs> it would probably be
0: the pain physician to do but more there is, thoracic um, and cervical blood oh, well, patches. But yeah, yeah.
2: Those articles that you... Um, uh, shared with us to talk yeah. about those issues and we can share we, them we on can the share practice. those on the link yeah. on the, if anyone wants to have a read about um, basically
0: yeah. having a continuous circuit from yep. the blood drop to the epidural that. it, it yep. seems a bit fiddly but it looks like it can be done and there are a few case reports which we'll um, link yep um, can you out of curiosity can you do say somebody has had a cervical cyclage put in under a spinal and they get a postural puncture headache and you do a blood patch can you do an epidural for them in labor if they come back in a few weeks or what would your yeah. thoughts be I like don't know. it's it's pretty uncommon I, I think there was one case report in the literature that said they did do it and it was fine but but yeah have it's you had any
2: to so the mri imaging that they did of to see what happens to blood after you do a blood patch showed yeah, it was interesting. It did show that yeah. most of it had sort of gone mm. within, Got a within a
0: f- Yeah, within a week or so, if not there it, in a few days. But yeah.
2: they, they hypothesised that um, the blood that was sort of touching the sort of, you know, exposed and um, the places that were injured probably hung around longer, and that's why it healed. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I guess it's an individual um, mm. risk benefit. Uh, pr- pretty probably good. Yeah, yeah I you think probably you just could. tell the patient yeah,
0: well, might be it it might, not, might work, not work. But <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll
1: see yeah, how I would maybe yeah. go, you know, um, a different different, different space. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, maybe a higher level, uh, a,
0: high, a level above. Maybe
1: yeah. Um, okay. But I think if all the neurology was normal, I, I wouldn't have any concern. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there has been sort of discussion about if you've had a blood patch. Yeah, and it comes back to how effective epidurals are mm. after you've had previous epidural blood patches and. minus In terms is of spread, probably as yeah. good. Probably as good. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, you know, we've got so few cases to,
0: to compare to. To yeah, compare to. Hard.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, those are all the questions I had here. Did you guys have any other
1: no, I think things I
0: we want to talk about? I think we've
2: done a pretty was, comprehensive. I don't think, <laughs> we, I don't think we we're missing anything. That's pretty comprehensive.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Hopefully, hopefully, you can go out there and do an epidural blood patch. Yeah. I okay, think that's
1: good. You and, know? and do it, do it safely because yeah. it is an intervention. And. Um, yep. Yeah. 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 I think when you're doing your first
2: epidural blood patches, it's nice to deal with people who, are, who have done. Done them done before, before yeah. Help, you know, help someone, or well, yeah, just phone a friend and the the sort of things you do during the day. So phone mm. someone who's an experienced obstetrician, who's done them before, mm. and do them together.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's not even just about the actual, epi um, mm. inserting the epidural. It's about everything else. Yeah, it's just about all. Whether well, the, the, you know, the consent to the. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like everything in our yeah. job it's, It yeah. is the fluff. I think yeah. that catches us out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The actual procedures are relatively straightforward. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, <laughs> not always. <laughs> all <laughs> all right. right.
0: Well, thank you, Roger. and Thank you, Matt, yeah,
2: for answering yeah, yes. all my thank questions. You, this was
0: a probably a, what nearly a one-hour biver. So, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: thank you. Thank Cheers.
0: You.
2: Thanks for listening everyone please go to the itunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it write a review this will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the itunes menu if you're also interested please go to our website at www.opsandguinyquitcare.org where there'll be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to see you again next time